and welcome back to Fast Charge episode 47 and the first one of 2021. I am still reeling from two weeks off work. Uh, in my three days back in the office, I've already managed to cut myself twice while cooking. I've overslept three days out of four, and I'm just clearly unprepared for the world of work uh, at all. So apologies in advance for the next 45 minutes of your life. <laughs> the start doesn't mean to go on. <laughs> for the year, I mean, not this episode. <laughs> no, pretty much, yeah. Uh, I am joined by Hannah and Toddy this week. Hello. Uh, so we have three of us to talk about three phones, all of which are actually kind of exciting, although they are all also kind of last week of 2020 phones, but, you know, we haven't been here, so we're catching up. Uh, first up, we are going to talk about the ZTE Axon 25G, which I have with me right here. Uh, that is basically, you know, we've spoken about it before, it is the first phone in the world to have an under-display selfie camera, or at least the first one you could go and buy right now. Uh, second, we're going to talk about the Xiaomi Mi 11, the first phone in the world to feature a Snapdragon 888 processor. And finally, we're going to talk about the Vivo X60 and X60 Pro, the first phones in the world <laughs> to feature the Samsung Exynos 1080 processors. <laughs> so we got three firsts this week, which is fun. Uh, let's get straight to it, I guess. Uh, right, so the ZTE Axon 25G, I have it right here with me in uh, midnight black. Um, it's it's a phone, I mean, I guess I'll be upfront with this. I'm, I'm in the process of writing my review, but I've been using it for two and a half, three weeks. It's a phone realistically, and I don't mean this to be as disparaging as it maybe sounds. You are only going to buy because of the selfie camera. Because assuming you are based in the West, um, or at least not in China. You probably are not super aware of ZTE. You probably don't have any other uh, ZTE phones. They're probably not something you see in shops. They're not something you get hold of easily. They're not a household name outside of China. Um, this phone is uh, fairly middle of the range in a lot of specs, which is kind of refreshing for a, for a thing that's like a cutting edge tech. It's not a thousand pound flagship. It's in the sort of four four to $500 euro range. Uh, that's the kind of price you're looking at. It's very much a mid-range device. It is mid-range across the board in most of its specs. It just has this cool selfie camera that no one else does. Um, and basically what it means is you'll be able to see a bit if you're watching on, on YouTube if my phone brightness doesn't completely throw that out, which it does. <laughs> but there's no uh, there's no notch. There's no... Oh, there we go. There's no notch. There's no pinhole camera. There's no uh, anything like that. It is a proper full-screen phone. We've obviously seen that before, but normally through pop-up cameras or the sort of Oppo Reno ones that like did the shark fin rising up. But this is an under-display selfie camera, so it is actually hidden under the glass. You just can't see it very well. The best, I mean, I mean there's no way I'm going to be able to show this on my webcam, unfortunately, so you won't get a sense of it. But basically what you're getting is, instead of seeing the little camera lens, you see a small square that's at lower resolution than the display around it. And that is where the camera is. And this is basically because the way they've done this, technologically speaking, is there are kind of this multi-layered display, all displays are multi-layered, but essentially they've got two types of layering going on where for most of the display, it's a kind of standard setup. And then in that little square where the where the camera is, and also there's a bit for the uh, like the light sensor and stuff like that, what they've they built it out of materials that are more transparent, so they let more light in so that, that light hits the selfie lens. But also they've done it at a, a lower resolution, which apparently also helps with getting the light in. 
as, as first yeah. gen tech, can you see when the screen is completely off? Is it an OLED panel as well, by the way, or is it LCD? I forget. It is OLED, yeah. So can you see uh, the kind of area when the screen is off, like when the light hits it right? Is it still obvious then, or is it harder to see when the screen isn't on? It's still there. You probably wouldn't notice it at a glance. Like mm. if you were just looking across the room and your phone's on the table, you wouldn't spot it. But if you, you know, hold it up to the light in just the right way, you can see there's a little square there that just looks that little bit different. It's definitely slightly off what the rest of it is. Um, in use, the funny thing is, it's kind of got the same strengths and, and weaknesses as we talk about with actual pinhole and punch hole cameras, which is to say, if it's against a really bright white background or kind of light colored, then it really stands out and you can see that it's different and you can see there's something there. If it's a dark, especially black background, it's much harder to notice. But again, that's always been the case with these punch hole cameras. You know, I kind of laughed when I first got this and set it up because I realized all of the stock wallpapers fade to black at the top of this screen. So that conveniently you don't see the the camera area because it's in a black and it's harder to spot. This is the iPhone XS wallpaper all over again. But <laughs> but again, exactly for notches, for punch hole cameras, for pinholes, for teardrops, for all of these manufacturers use the exact same trick because they know that if it's against a dark bit of the display, it's much harder to spot and you notice it less. So it, it's not such a drastic fix to the problem that they don't have to use those tricks still to kind of hide things. That's interesting, um, isn't it? Because it's like the whole. I don't want to say gimmick, but, you know, like the whole reasoning behind this is because so you'd have a full screen that would seem yeah. seamless. But obviously we're just not. This is obviously the first time we've seen this on sale and, you know, but it's just not it's just not there yet. It's um, not there yet, but it's first gen. And like I said, this is a mid range priced phone, so it's not even like this clearly would that the implementation they have can't be so expensive for them to, to produce because they, this is still a 450 pound give or take phone that's still also got an OLED and fast charging and a decent battery and a 765G processor with 5G and all this stuff. Like it's it's solid specs, especially for that price. You would consider it a decent value device by any means. So they clearly it can't be a super expensive implementation they've got here because otherwise the pricing to spec ratio would be mm. would be off. Right. Mm -hmm. Um so I could imagine if we see Samsung kind of do it in a proper thousand pound flagship, there's talk that the next fold or flip might might feature the tech. You know, I imagine we might see a better implementation there because they might be able to spend an extra fifty dollars per phone on on doing the the better version of it. You know what I mean? You know, these these things these these trends come in waves, and you know the the, the pop up that I think I think it might have been ZTE popularized. Uh, it, way back when like it was vivo that started oh, vivo it. it was vivo sorry yeah um and then you know that and then the whole the whole punch after the notch uh, all of the thing, these things tend to come in waves of like yeah. style and trends is it looking like in your opinion that 2021 is the year for that because i know like we've had rumors of as you said the samsung mm. phones maybe using this feature i haven't heard many other brands potentially using this tech we know from i think hannah your experience oppo have the capabilities to do this yeah yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Do we think 2021 is the year where we're going to see this in a big way, or is it, is it too much of a kind of outlying feature to be embraced? Is it still too rudimentary? I guess I wouldn't expect to see it in the early wave of flagships this year. Mm. You know, we've already seen the first. We've already obviously we're going to talk about them. We've, we've got the X60. We've got the the Mi 11. <clears throat> Neither of those have this. We next week we're getting the S21. We've got very consistent 
you know, leaks showing us what that's going to look like. This does not have that. I don't think we've got any reason to think we're going to see any other phone in the next six months that features this tech, or at least not many. Yeah, I was oh. going to say that the phones that I'd expect it to come to first, when you were saying that things happen in trends and waves, it's a, it wouldn't be the likes of like Apple or Samsung or the big guys. Like, you know, it's, it's a lot yeah. of the similar brands who follow those sorts of trends. So yeah, if it was going to come to any, it would be the likes of Oppo, Honor, mm. those sorts of brands. Yeah, probably. the kind of I Chinese think... rivals. Yeah. Yeah. I think the wild card for the first six months of the year is the Oppo Find X3 mm. because we've not seen any... Uh, we, we've we had some spec leaks for that phone, but we've not seen any design leaks. And we know, as we, you already mentioned, Hannah's seen this tech they were showing off last year that they had concept devices with the tech. Oppo has it working. So it's possible Oppo are about to reveal that they've got it ready for a flagship. There's... A lot of rumors popping up that Samsung are going to do it in a foldable in the back half of this year. So I think we might start to see it more second half of the year. I think 2022, more brands will do it. And I think I was Shrey backing me up in the comments here. I think 2023 maybe is the point where it's just going to be kind of everywhere. Yeah. Um, because some brands won't have put the as much R&D into this. They won't have it ready yet. And, and people will be wanting to take their time to get it right. You know, and I think this is going to be the implementation eventually. It's hard not to see that Apple, obviously there's always been speculation that Apple is going to shrink the notch, remove the notch, blah, blah, blah. And they haven't done anything like that yet, really. You can't help but think they must have looked at the notch when they introduced it as a stopgap measure. And they've turned it into a bit of design language that's kind of iconic in its own way, the iPhone notch now. But at some point, they're going to want to go full screen. And they're not going to do a pop-up camera. They probably would have done it already if they thought that was a worthwhile solution. And if you really, the what you've got left is finding some way to hide it under the display, right? Mm. So mm. this is the way phones are going to go. Unlike ones like pop-up cameras that always felt like gimmicks and felt like this is cool and I enjoyed the novelty, but you never felt like they were going to be what all phones ever did. Um, Just out of curiosity, I assume that like setup-wise and features on the selfie camera are exactly the same as you would find on another phone. There's no difference in like ratio or anything like that. It's all so. I mean, in terms of use and everything, it's fine. It doesn't make any difference when you when you turn the camera app on and open the you know make it front facing. There's a little animation that illuminates around where the camera is just to show off the fact that it's there and they've hidden it from you. Um, The one thing I'll say is selfie quality isn't top notch Mm. and i think more than anything this is probably what other brands are going to be working to try and fix um there is a sort of softening effect i think um i guess it's just because there's extra layers the light is coming through before it hits that camera lens and obviously that's what they're trying to manage as best as they can and you know there's obviously algorithmic stuff going on where they're trying to resharpen the images and counteract that effect and, you know, they're part of when, you know, uh, reading the reviewers guide, they talk about all the tech that's gone into it. And they kind of say there are five different pieces of technology in this lens or whatever. But when they say that, one of their five is an algorithm that's just basically there to try and counteract all the problems introduced by the other four bits of tech. Well, I imagine it's like trying to take a picture through like a dirty window, effectively, or a screen door. Like, that's effectively what yeah, it must be, right? It's, it's a grid of exactly, pixels. Yeah. And it's trying to take pictures through that grid in the holes yep. in that grid that's how i imagine exactly. it must be working which is crazy that they've even attempted this and amazing that it works in a product you can buy but yeah yeah i don't know 
I mean, I know there's some real smart people working on these phones, but I'm very curious to see how good these images can get and how exactly. much that's going to lean on improved algorithms going forward. There's a question of whether there's a real ceiling to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and how much brands are willing to take that hit when it comes to their flagships and things like that. And do you really want to put out a thousand pound phone that people say, oh, the selfies aren't very good? Um, you know, that's going to hold you back. And that is the, sort of the downside of this. Um, does this also signal a return to markets like the UK for a brand like ZTE? Because they used to sell in the UK, but not in any massive way. And then they, they left for reasons mm. I don't know the minutiae of. Does does this, are you getting the sense that they're may, maybe going to push back into Europe in a bigger way because of phones like this? They haven't spoken to me about that. I mean, mm. so this this is available in Europe and the UK. I, I think it is the first ZTE phone in a while that that's been the case for. Um, I'm not sure how long. They, they're in a funny position. They're similar to Huawei in that they've gotten a lot of flack for their infrastructure. Um, I believe right now the UK government says they won't use ZTE in any of their network infrastructure and that they're banned from being installed in infrastructure in the same way that Huawei is not banned in the UK, but we're trying to minimize our use of their tech. Right. So on the infrastructure side, there's all that same stuff about worries about the Chinese government having too close a relationship with the company and that kind of thing. That hasn't directly affected their consumer stuff, but obviously it's going to be a brand awareness thing they're going to be hesitant about. Mm. Um, they're not talking about a big push and they don't seem to be making a big push. I think right now they're just kind of like, they know they got a lot of attention with this phone because they're a brand that wouldn't get that much Western coverage. But by being the first people to put out a phone you could buy with this, they got attention. And then they said, well, cool, as long as we can get a few boxes of phones into Europe, we can sell them there and there'll be some like smartphone smartphone nerds who just want to have the first phone that does this and are, and are, and are super curious about it. Yeah. And again, by making it 400, it's kind of approachable in that way. It's it's a bit more of a, I mean, still 400, no one's going to drop that too casually, but it, you can buy it a bit more out of curiosity, I guess. It's probably also a relief to rivals who are looking into this tech that they don't have to be the first yeah, ones to do back. it, that they, <laughs> that they can see, you know, how it actually, yep. how it yeah. actually does. And, you know, and they can be like, like even that. if it's bad, they can be like, look, it's at least better than this, the meter <laughs> stick by which it's going to be measured for the next year or so. So Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a funny old phone. I mean, I said at the beginning, that's really the only reason you'd buy it. And I think that's true for most people. I don't think there are going to be many people looking out of this phone who get all the way through the process and then go, oh, and it's also got that camera. That's kind of cool. You're going to start from the camera. Um, for the rough, otherwise, there's a lot to it. It's a nice device. For the rough price point, if you take the camera out of it, does it justify the price point? Or would you price it more as like a £300 phone? Or like, where does it feel like it sits? I mean, if, you know, reaction. I think it's very reasonably priced for what it is. You you compare to like the closest other thing. Um, I'll see if I can get the exact price for it. I've got it here. Mm -hmm. um, it's £419. Uh, 449 euros or dollars cool uh so that makes it for the uk 40 pounds more than the oneplus nord the standard nord okay. it's the same processor it's an oled display display same as the nord um it's bigger it's a 6.9 inch panel it's big, it's a, big, yeah, it's phone. A, big phone. it's a very big phone so that's one of the downsides for me but if you like a big device it is a big phone uh, it's got 30 watt fast charging, so not you know, the fastest around, but again, for a 400 pound phone, very solid. Yeah. Uh, the battery life is kind of in the day and a half range. I can't remember the milliamp hour number. Uh, 64 megapixel main rear lens, and it's a quad camera setup. It's not the best around, but it's like good. 
um, perfectly good for that price. I think it would probably roughly comparable to the Nord. I haven't sat down and really poured through my photos yet to see, to give them a proper assessment, but Mm. from just taking photos and looking at them in the phone or deciding what I want to put on Instagram, I've broadly been happy with what I've been getting so far. So I I think it's solid. Um, Software-wise is where inevitably up against OnePlus, everything always kind of loses out a little bit. But it's... I've not used a ZTE phone before. This this version, at least, is fairly stockish. So I don't think there's even be too much to complain about there. Does it have a bad OS name, or is it like is it like FunTouch, or is it something else? I don't know. I don't. It's. I don't think it's as bad as FunTouch. Um, <laughs> it's the worst. A few things are. Me favor UI is on here. Is that it? Oh. Me UI. Yeah, yeah is it version ten point five. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's all sorts of wrong. Uh, yeah. But, it, you know, it's a very solid device. I, I think if you spent £420 on this, you'd be pretty happy, especially if you wanted a, a, a 6.9-inch phone. You know, I think a lot of people will just say it's far too big a device and they wouldn't want to use it. But if, if you like big phones... I feel like it's a fancy playground phone. Like, uh, bearing in mind, I'm aware that kids nowadays do have access to iPhone money. So I don't think yeah. it's unreasonable to say this is a playground phone. Um, it's the kind of phone that, you know, you you take to your friends and go, check this out just to show off the camera. And then they're like, cool. And then you're like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> um, we've just had someone in the comments, uh, Marquez, saying they wouldn't pay more than 400 euros for a ZT phone. I mean, I don't know where where, where he's coming from. I kind of get that. Part of the thing I'd, I'd you know caution against looking at a phone like this is, ZT doesn't have a material UK presence. That means I'd worry about custom support. Yeah. Yeah. I'd worry about what their promise is going to be for app updates and, so- and OS updates. I-, I haven't seen anything from them promising, uh, you know, I haven't dug into this yet. So maybe they have promised and I've just missed it. So I don't want to throw them under the bus here, but I'm not aware of them guaranteeing two years of updates and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of long-term support I'd look at and say, buying a phone from a Chinese company that otherwise doesn't really have a presence here. Mm. I don't know the support you're going to get. And that's something that I think is often forgotten as a, a hidden cost to buying phones like this. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking but. for any accessories or whatever to fit it and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Stuff like that's always going to be tricky. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think anyone buying this, it's a funny one. I think people would only buy it because of the camera. I agree. I think if you bought it for the camera, you might be a bit disappointed because my first thought when I turned it on was, oh, it's not as impressive as I thought it would be. You know, it's cool, but I can still... I can see the illusion, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, you can, I can, you can see, see where the, the lines wires. are in it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I think if that's all you're thinking about, you want to just see that, you might find that, oh, it's not as, you know, completely as stealthy camera as, as you wanted it to be in, and that might, like, rub you the wrong way. But if, if you know what you're looking for and you just want a, a large mid-range phone and you also appreciate the novelty of the camera, yeah, I don't think anyone would be too unhappy, but I equally think you could probably do a little bit better for the money. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I'm going to keep playing around with it. I'll have a full review on the site soon. But um, it's an interesting phone, and I'm very excited to see. I think just today, Samsung a Samsung patent leaked about their implementation of the tech, which is essentially the same as what I described of the ZTE version. You know, two different bits of the panel with different pixel counts and different transparency. So we know Samsung's working on it. We just don't know which device. Uh, we know Oppo's got it. I think Xiaomi maybe have talked about it before. Some One of the other brands has also shown this off before. I can't remember who. So this is going to be everywhere. Um, for sure, this is the way phones are going in a way that I would never would have said for for 
pop-ups and punch holes, which always felt like a stopgap. This is the end goal that everyone's been working towards. Um, which is also the reason I caution against buying this just for that tech, because this tech is going to be another phone. <laughs> you know, just wait a bit longer. There'll be better phones with the same stuff. Uh, but one phone that is not got that tech, but is still pretty impressive looking, is the Xiaomi Mi 11, which launched right at the end of last year while we were all on our Christmas holiday. Uh, I think it was a December 28th launch. Yeah. I saw it pop up on my uh, phone, and I think I was like mid mince pie left over from Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Still, Jamie, still in the, the Christmas days. <laughs> yeah. But hey-ho. But yeah, the, the Xiaomi Mi 11 is finally here, as good. expected and promised. Uh, yeah, it looks good. It's the first Snapdragon 888 phone, which is exciting for people like us. Xiaomi um, has a habit of being usually first in line or one of the first in line to get a phone out to market with the new Snapdragon yes. flagship processor. So this yeah, is pretty I, I'm gonna We'll talk about it a bit later when we turn to the Vivo, but mm. the Vivo X60 series, there's meant to be a third phone in that series that all the rumors say will have an 888, mm. but they didn't announce it with the other ones. And I can't help but think that there must actually be a deal between Qualcomm and, and Xiaomi to give them a sort of Exclusive. exclusivity window yeah. or something of being you get to be the only ones for two weeks or something which is odd considering there's all this talk about how samsung and qualcomm work together on developing these these top tier mm. chips so yeah but samsung have to push an exynos <laughs> that's true as well <laughs> but anyway so xiaomi mi 11 first phone with the 888 we've talked about the 888 before so i don't want to dwell on it here but you know it's the new qualcomm flagship it's going to be fast it's going to be power efficient and all that um very much looking forward to actually getting our hands on one of these to test um, the Mi 11 otherwise is, um, it looks to me like it borrows a lot of the best of the Mi 10 Ultra mm. and kind of puts it in a more affordable package, which I like as an approach. Doesn't get that. It gets the mad 108 meg camera, which is cool. Yep. Uh, it doesn't get that super, super fast charging though, does it? It's pretty good though. It's still, was it 50, 55? 55 watt? Yeah. And yeah. 50 watt wireless, which is pretty good. Yes, it's got very fast wireless, which we're going to see. I think we've spoken before. I think Hannah maybe saying you thought that would be, maybe it was, someone was saying that was going to be one of their big trend predictions for 2021 was going to be faster wireless. So mm. uh, already we're seeing that being a big a big push. Uh, what it doesn't have is a telephoto. Um, yeah, interesting camera choice that they just went for a macro, which kind of makes you think more like the OnePlus 8T and those kind of devices. Like Yeah, I think it's also worth noting they didn't announce the Mi 11 Pro or ultra or whatever there's no top top version yet so presumably they're just holding that back for the pro version that they're going to announce in a month or something and, and that will have the telephoto in uh, do you know that month time frame or do you think they're just going to wait no no, no that's after... that's that's me throwing dates out right right but, you know i got no I'm, idea but yeah i'd expect them like maybe wait till samsung plays its hand with the s21 range even though True. it's kind of leaked yeah. already and then be like oh well if you think that's cool <laughs> <Check this> <laughs> Saying, um, just uh, looking at the article here that's written that the um, it's the first Xiaomi phone to feature that uh, 2K resolution on the display. Oh. I think the Mi 10 Ultra was 2K, but I'm not positive. I never used it myself. Mm. But certainly, Marie, our resident Xiaomi specialist. <laughs> this sounds written yeah. by Marie, so I'm assuming it, oh, it must be. But yeah, um, but... I, it, they certainly the display is the other area they've really lent lent big on and uh yeah 2k amoled they lent they talk a lot about the sort of the display mate um verdict on the screen and you know it's hdr 10 plus it's 1500 nit brightness and yeah. 10 bit color 
I don't know if that's true 10 yep. bit, like the Fine X3 is supposedly going to have, or whether it's the yep. 10 bit that the Fine X2 uses. <laughs> I know. But one of those, which is still good. Like, that's better I color love, depth. I loved Oppo last year being like 10 bit display, and then this year being like real 10 bit display. <laughs> yeah. We lied to you last year. <laughs> gotcha. Um, <laughs> uh, the first phone I can think of with a 480 hertz touch response rate, that sounds weirdly high. Like, I guess, uh, yeah, you know, I think that's the fastest around. If I'm it's like not double mistaken. what I'm used to seeing from any 120 hertz refresh rate phone, so I guess norm- like- yeah, normally touch sampling is double the refresh yeah. rate. Yeah, 120 yeah. hertz refresh will have a 240 hertz touch sample rate. Yeah, generally the way it goes. Where are um, you gonna see the results with something like this in day to day life? Gaming. It's a gaming, gaming future. Yeah. The only thing. Like, Super I, high touch something. Yeah. Whenever they like highlight that, they always have that like side by side of it on and off with like a machine and then a super high speed camera. And it's like yeah. you tap like the fire button and the gun fires that second faster. Yeah. I feel like we must be hitting the ceiling now of like the, the games themselves having support for those kind of super high I don't I don't know. What? But even the refresh rates, you know, like uh, it's all real having the high refresh rate on the phones, but there aren't that many mobile games that will break 60 FPS. Exactly. Right. You know, even that's still limited. So, you know, um, yeah, totally. There's a, there's a, there's a, a gap and I think a growing gap at the moment between phone specs and game support and delivery yeah, yeah. on those if specs. If their but... reasoning is, oh, it's good for gaming, but the games can't support the feature, then it's it's like... A... Yeah. I, guess, I guess that's that is just the way of tech though, isn't it? You get the same thing with TVs, don't you? Like, yeah, you know, pull. it's like yeah. 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 It's like look at all these numbers, but we've got nothing to show it on. <laughs> but we will. <laughs> Aside from yeah. Fortnite, I don't know who else would be the ones to kind of run with it and make like a really truly competitive mobile game that that leverages the best available hardware that phones can offer like i I can't think of any big names that would be the ones to step in there like cod mobile maybe i I mean to be fair i think the way it often goes for various reasons is that it's not necessarily the biggest games that do it right because i i think i mean i didn't watch xiaomi's presentation because again it was it was the holidays and i've just read the news afterwards yeah and it's all in chinese (laughs) but i i would bet they showed off some games that have support for their features and that and and usually what it is is then there's a paid partnership deal um you know where they've paid certain games to make sure they have support and that kind of thing and chinese hardware companies inevitably means it will tend to be chinese game companies they're partnering with um so I'll bet, you know, there's some Chinese MOBA none of us have heard of that's, mm. uh, you know, got like 300 million players yeah. that, you yeah. know, I'm fully support every feature on this phone. Honor <laughs> yeah, of I mean, I, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, th- yeah. I think we talked about this before is that mobile gaming is so much bigger in China than it yeah. is over here. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, and just big yeah. in a different way. It's different kinds of games that get big and there's a bigger competitive scene and, and things like that. So these kind of features matter more in. But it is also just generally that then you see specific partnerships with specific games that support specific features because money has changed hands to make sure that there's a game there to put on stage and show that it, it supports that feature. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way the way it'll work. And in the same way, we see OnePlus partnering with Fortnite to show off that, you know, Fortnite hits 90 FPS on the 90 Hertz OnePlus displays and things like that, you know. Uh, can we talk about the design, namely the the vegan leather? Something you brought up before we started recording, Hannah. Like I, I haven't seen all the colorways, but you guys were describing them to me as interesting. I guess would be the word. Oh, I th- I think it was the ZTE we were saying had a ZTE? vegan leather. Oh, was it? Okay, okay. Yeah, so it's basically vegan... 
There's a vegan we, leather we, we, option for this as well. Yeah, because we were talking about the ZT about when it came out, and I saw a thing about that a version had been gone on pre-order today. Uh, oh, which is that's a, right. Yeah, yeah. There's a new yeah. yellow finish. Yeah, <laughs> it's yellow a yellow finish, finish but it's in I, yellow leather, and it translated from the Chinese title as extreme, which I was like, <laughs> oh god. And we we were just basically saying that it's an odd design choice for the ones who've used this vegan leather. The the other one that comes to mind is the Oppo. It was Fine X2 Pro, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was orange. And it's like, just use black leather. <laughs> just yeah. just use, like, a, you know, if you're going to use leather, leather's, leather can be nice on a phone, but just don't use, like, these garish colours. I don't get it. Electric orange, yeah. Yeah. Well, the one, the one here is a slightly more, like, mustardy yellow for the Mi 11. I'm not sure if that's a leather finish or not, but there is a sort of mustardy ochre yellow brown. Mm which uh, doesn't speak to me. I hate um, mustard fashion, <laughs> but that is just a personal thing. <laughs> the, the more I think about it, I think they're just trying to get it to match your Lamborghini. I think those are the, how yeah. they pick their yeah. colour palette. It's just whichever goes with the Lamborghini. So it's electric green, orange, yeah. or yellow is, is kind of the way to go. Um, um, I'd, I'd like to talk about the camera module, which I think yeah. is really ugly. But I do respect the fact that it's another different camera module. And I kind of see that. I know I know a lot of other people really like it. So I don't want to sound like it's a bad design. It doesn't work for me. But I, I it's nice it to reminds, see something different again. You know what it reminds me of? It looks like a ring doorbell. <laughs> but there's a brand <laughs> partnership. Yeah. Maybe, maybe once they get around to bringing it to, uh, to the Western markets, they'll talk to Amazon and uh, get that yeah. partnership on the go. Yeah. It's just that squircle thing. I, don't, I think maybe I just don't like squircles. Squircles typically are bad. Yeah. Like very rarely have I been like that's that's a good squircle on a phone. Yeah. <laughs> it was like when the camera modules for like the iPhone and the Pixel moved to these you know big mm. protruding rectangular kind of platforms on which the sensors sat. Mm. I wasn't too hot on that when it came in, and I, I kind of got used to it, but I don't know if I like it. Totally. What I will say, I like that this has, because I praise it all the time on Vivo phones, so I should be fair here. I like that it's a, a stepped kind of two tier mm-hmm. module. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'll see how this looks in person. But I, you know, when I saw the first the Vivo X50 series, I think were the first to do it. I didn't like the look of it in press renders, and then I got the phone in person and went, "Oh, actually, that really works," and it makes the the most protruding bit of the lens feel like it protrudes less than it actually does because it's only a little step up from the next tier which is in turn a little step up from the rest of the body Mm. and in a funny way it makes the whole thing feel slimmer and less bulky and obtrusive um even though in fact it's done that by adding bulk and it's just a funny way it plays with your perception um on vivo's phones it, it it works very very well i'd like i'm curious to see this in person and see if i get the same impression from from the mi 11 um, from the photos I've seen of it so far, it looks like it's got curved back and curved edges around the front glass as well. Which yeah, all four, all four sides, top nice. and bottom and side. Are so ergonomically, glass. like that can feel really nice in the hand. So I like yeah. it from like the aesthetic standpoint. But I think we've all discussed about the advantages of having a flat display uh, yep. for usability uh, and just a grip as well. So whilst it might look pretty, I maybe would have preferred a flat display. I think. Though I think this is supposed... I was reading um, Benson, XGA developers, has a hands-on with this. Um, so he managed to borrow one from a shop in Hong Kong. Um, uh, and he said it's curved, but it's not as curvy as, say, the Huawei, the recent Huawei ones. So it's a oh, bit yeah, more yeah. subdued his, as a like, curve. His shots, um, actually, it's not... It's very subtle on the front, which yeah. is nice. 
So I think it's just designed enough curve to make the bezels look smaller than they are, but not so much curve that it really begins to impact how you use it. But um, yeah. again, got to see the thing. Mm. Uh, Camera-wise, I'm I, obviously we've already said there's no telephoto, but it's got the same 108 megapixel uh, sensor that they've used twice before in the Meet and Ultra and in one of the other phones. I can't remember which. Um, and they've been very good, you know. I think Xiaomi knows how to get the most out of those high mega, high resolution sensors in a way that not everyone does. Yeah, and and I have no qualms with like them reusing the same hardware over multiple no. generations because I think you know OnePlus and Google have both demonstrated really well that the longer you spend with a piece of hardware, the more you can get out of it. Obviously, there's a, there's a limit to that, but exactly two three generations of phone there's probably some life left in in how much more you can squeeze out that sensor from a software side and an AI side. Yeah. And we've got to remember in terms of pricing, you know, we talk about this as, oh, this is the new flagship and it is, but equally, if you just look at the direct uh, convert the Chinese one price, like it's about 450 pounds, you know, it's about the same as, as the ZTE. It, whenever it does launch in Europe and we know it will, we just don't know anything about when, um, it will cost more than 450, I'm sure. But still, the 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 main me series devices are never thousand pound phones. You know, mm. this is going to be a six, seven hundred pound phone or something and There'll be a pro model or an ultra or both, and that will be a step up. But I think, you know, this is kind of almost like, you know, it's in that upper mid-range space. It's kind of like a OnePlus flagship, you know. Um, just and I think the, the specs make a lot of sense there. Just on the date that you were saying, because obviously we don't know, but I was just, just reading here, saying it usually was announced at Mobile World Congress, which would have been in February. But yep. this is now in the summer. Um, so you you got to wonder whether they will wait that long. Oh, no, it, I mean, no way. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Especially when no one knows if Mobile Congress is even going to happen in the summer. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, normally the Mi series, you'd get a December or January announcement in China and then that mid mid to late February mm. MWC announcement for the rest of the world. Who knows now how they're going to play it, right? They, they can do it whenever they want. But um, it, I would expect it either late Jan or early February. Yeah. Like you said, Toddy, they might be letting Samsung get out of the way, which would kind of make sense. Yeah, but then come back in with the Pro or something. Maybe. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if we're yet to move on, but I just spotted in the comments before we do. Uh, mm. Jatty Lai, I might have butchered your name, and I apologize if I just did. Um, he's uh, new to the show, so thanks for joining us, and was just asking what our daily drivers were. He's using a four, uh, Pixel 4 XL. He didn't like the vibe of the five, um, thought it was a step down, um, and he's excited about the Samsung links. Uh, but yeah, mm. what are you guys using as your current daily drivers? Obviously, reviews might have an effect on that, but yeah, I, I'm changing phones too often at the moment because of reviews, so I've not <laughs> had a daily driver to go back to for a while. Uh, I think if I clear all my reviews and find myself looking for a phone to go back to, I think it would still probably be the OnePlus Eight Pro. Oh, the pro. I think I, that's I was, thought you might say one. T. I was just hesitating over whether it would be. Oh, we just got Lal in capital letters. <laughs> Sorry, Jatty Lal. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was um, reading on my phone screen like. Very <laughs> Sorry, Lal, not lie. Um, yeah, I think the A Pro. I, I, that's that's always been the answer ever since it came out, really. But yeah, that that's the one I would by default go back to. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I'm also excited about the S21 though. I I really liked the base s20 last year i didn't yeah. love the ultra or the plus but i i got along really really well with the standard s20 um and if i i from what i've seen uh, there's a lot about the 21 i'm also interested in so i could imagine myself 
sitting on an S21 for a while if, if I got one, but we'll yeah, see. We, We're going to know more about that next week, I guess. You reviewed the S20, I reviewed the Plus, and we both conceded that the smaller model was the better overall package yeah. there. So I'm <laughs> expecting the same this year with that one. How about you, Hannah? What are you using? Uh, well, I was using the Oppo Find X2, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is sadly no longer with me anymore. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, RIP. Um, and I, I and I did have before that. I did have a Pixel Three, which, as you both know, is now uh, also it, it works just about. <laughs> but but if you saw it, it doesn't Borderline. look great. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sort of on a on a resting phone at the moment. I'm using the. Um, on a 9x pro at the moment which is a little bit tricky because um it's that got it's, gms yeah so it's, it's without android so a lot of the yeah oh, wow. <laughs> a lot of okay. the uh, apps that i've wow. sort of had to I, I've, I've managed they because they have petal search now so you can get other stuff yeah. on it yeah. uh so i've managed but it has been tricky i think we need um, to find some more phones for you to review yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like um yeah, if I was to go back, I mean, we've always said because we were chatting about our favourite phones and stuff like that and then our phone of the year or whatever, but I think I just have this sort of soft spot in my heart for having have been a Pixel owner. I just like, mm. like, I prefer the clean, clean, simple interface of Google. Uh, but I really was a fan of the Oppo Find X2, so I'm intrigued to see what they come up with this year mm. as well because they also seem the closest in having that yeah. seamless, nice, yeah, look. Nice. What about um, you, Tully? Well, as as you know, like my well, my last review of the my last Android phone review of the year was the Reno Four Pro Five G, I think it was, uh, and then I had one review after that, which was the iPhone Twelve Pro Max, the big guy. Mm. Uh, and I'm used to having a small iPhone because I've used the iPhone Ten for years. Yeah. Um, and then have the Android phone as the one I usually put my main SIM into and use that because I prefer Android over iOS. But they're always big phones, so I liked having a small phone as well. Um, right now because i have two sims i have this is now the big phone and so naturally i've gone for the pixel 5 for the small phone because <laughs> right. like, maybe android phone yeah, yeah yeah which is the weirdest way around and obviously once the the phones for 2021 start coming in that'll probably be i'll just be wielding two huge phones and just have to deal with that but i'm not going anywhere so that's actually not so much of yep. an issue right now maybe it will be once you start going outside the house again uh but yeah so right now I, i'm pixel 5 because uh as i think hannah you'll remember that episode where we had to convince you you know, my reasons are clear. If you go back on one of the previous fast charge episodes, the one where we talked about the 8T and the uh, Galaxy S20 FE, yeah, um, I have a lot of love for the, the Pixel 5, which, you know, despite what Jatty feels about, you know, the letdown versus the 4XL, I was using the 4XL before, and I think I prefer the smaller size and the performance is perfectly good. Um, and I have slapped a huge ass case on it, so it isn't as compact anymore. <laughs> Not quite as dinky. Yeah, but now it can stop a bullet, so that's good, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> for real life. But yeah, so small pixel, big iPhone, that's where I'm at right now. Cool. Uh, all right, with that, let's move on to today's final segment, which is uh, the Vivo X60 series, um, which I believe was the last phone launch of 2020 because they launched on the 29th of december one day after xiaomi Uh, i don't think anyone dared try and get it in any of the last two days of the year uh but yeah the x60 series which comes just like six months after the x50s the Mm. x50s were last summer um so the the release schedule is i I haven't been following vivo closely enough to know when the x40 was so i'm not sure how out of whack that is for them but six month window so it is that kind of thing where these don't these aren't like a big spec step up from the X50s, but it makes more sense. The X50 line was kind of chaotic. 
there were three phones. The X50 was most famous for the X50 Pro, which had the gimbal camera. Mm. Uh, but it was confusing because the Pro had it, but the regular X50 didn't. And the X50 Pro Plus also didn't have that, was that feature weird. that was the key selling point of the range. And th- th- it was always a bit odd, and they had good reasons for it, but it was felt very strange. They've kind of unified things this time. So X60 is um, two phones so far. We have the X60 and the X60 Pro. They um, are very, very similar, which is, makes it much easier to talk about. They have the same gimbal camera. 48 megapixel main camera with that stabilization tech inside, which is cool. Um, they then both have an ultra wide and a two times zoom. The Pro also gets a sort of five times periscope thrown in. The only other difference between them really is that the Pro comes with more RAM and a higher storage spec, or you know, slightly different RAM and storage SKUs that go a bit higher on the Pro model. But really, it's just the Pro has a periscope. Uh, they're the same size, same size screen. They're both OLED. They're both, I think. 30 watt wired charging. They have very similar battery sizes. One of them is 4,200 milliamp power. The other one is 4,300 milliamp power. So negligible difference Why? there, really. <laughs> uh, I, think it's, I think the bigger battery, the slightly bigger battery is in the regular model. And I'm guessing just the periscope took up just enough extra space uh, to make the battery fractionally smaller in the I mean, pro. at least you know you're getting your money's worth if they're trying to squeeze every kind of like cubic yeah. millimeter <laughs> of space. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and, and the funny thing is, these also look, design-wise, these are the spitting image the of same, the X50s. Right? I just look. Which is <laughs> funny because the V20 series, their mid-range ones, were also the spitting image of the X50s before <laughs> that. Uh, so they found something that works for them. And, you know, you, you might normally knock that, and I'm sympathetic to knocking that and saying it's not very original. But I will say, I've said this before on the podcast, the X50 series phones are absolutely beautiful, and they are <laughs> way better in the flesh than they look in photos. I love them. The V20 also I got and I fell in love with. They're very, very slim. All of these phones are very slim. They have a really nice sort of matte frosted glass finish that looks great in person, feels great to use. I like the tiered camera setup, all of that. So I'm kind of, I don't mind the fact that they're sticking with what works because for me, it really, really works. And I think they're some of the best looking phones you can buy right now. Yeah, Uh, A quick kind of side-by-side looking at the specs. The main driving force behind... Picking an X60 over an X50. Obviously, there's the price, which would benefit you the other direction, but it looks to be the the chipset. Yes. So that's the kind of, in a way, the headline thing, which is these are the first phones to use the Samsung's, I believe Samsung's first five nanometer chipset, which is the Exynos 1080. Um, This, not to be confused, this is not the Exynos we're expecting to see in the S21s next week. Uh, so we're expecting Samsung to announce another new Exynos chipset that will also be 5 nanometer, um, and that will power the S21s. Um, they've always had this interesting relationship with Vivo, where Vivo often kind of is the first and sometimes the only brand to use their like mid-tier Exynos stuff. Um, what's funny is this is kind of, in theory, their mid-range Exynos chipset, but it's 5 nanometer, and it's benchmarking around the level of the H65, and probably a bit better than an 865 and kind of mm. not quite 888 level, but not that far off. You know, it's kind of getting there. So performance-wise, these look like they're probably going to be very, very solid. So um, are we going to expect stratosphere figures from the next chipset coming out then <laughs> these are really good? Well, yeah, that's the thing. The thing is now we're looking and saying, well, if this is what Samsung put in the chip they're giving to Vivo, like, what numbers is are they going to get from the chipset that they're holding for their own flagships? And, mm-hmm. and 
we're I kind mean, of the, the the Snapdragon versus Exynos battle could be very much more interesting this year. And I think I said before, again in our predictions piece, I said I think this will be the year that Samsung leans way in on Exynos, mm. or at least the year it starts to. And I think that's partly because I think they're about to kind of come out next year and say everyone moaning about an Exynos chipset, stop moaning. Like, oh yeah, people now. people were so mad, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> It, 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 it's funny in our like s21 like wish list of features one of the things is like qualcomm for everyone because give know, us they, a snapdragon please yeah, yeah sorry yeah snapdragon for everyone and uh yeah now it looks like based on like initial kind of developmental and pre-release builds of the same device running on both chips the exynos one in certain situations can actually outpace in benchmarking yeah. the, the snapdragon which at the very least I'm hoping means that it's a much more level playing field. Um, yep. You know, it might surpass the 888. We don't really know for sure until the phones actually get in our hands. And we've got, you know, we've already talked to our colleagues in the US who will have the Snapdragon S21 to yep. do some comparisons with. But, the big, uh, the big thing yeah. as before was actually less performance and more power efficiency. Yeah. Because you got much worse battery life on the Exynos. So that's still the question. Mark. It may be able to hit better, higher speeds, but if it does it, much less efficiently and your battery dies three hours earlier, that's still not worth the trade-off. But <laughs> no. um, anyway, that's Samsung. We'll get to that next week. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's an Exynos chip in these, but please don't hold it against it because from benchmarks, at least, it looks like a very, very solid. Um, and it looks like there's a lot to like. There's also a partnership with Zeiss um, on the camera tech, but they've been very vague about specifically what Zeiss has brought to the table. Um, they said there's now a Vivo and Zeiss have a joint R&D lab for you know mobile camera tech but i from what i saw they weren't getting too specific about what zeiss has contributed to these phones if anything which is fair because i mean it's the same thing with huawei and leica they never really turn up and say leica did this they just slap a leica logo on the phone and it's kind of the same there's a zeiss logo on the camera module now and i don't know how much zeiss did not nokia or sony who had zeiss relationship both both have had zeiss yeah um Sony only last year partnered with Zeiss, so it's oh. a bit unclear if that's oh, still yeah, yeah, yeah. in the works or not. Uh, and and also Nokia. Uh, on which note, uh, Giles in the comments just asked if we know of any Nokia phones to look forward to this year. I haven't seen much of leaks about Nokia stuff. I, I don't know maybe what to expect. we'll get a good pure view phone. I don't know. Like yeah. they teased it, but they released one, it didn't work, and they've teased the successor for like two years at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows if it comes out this year or not? Um, in the mid range space. Uh, I feel like they usually have like one hit, like sleeper hit in the mid-range yep. market, like the Nokia mm-hmm. 5 or 5.1 when that came out, everyone's like, this is really good value for money. So it's not, you know, out of the question that they'll have another one of those where it's not the most exciting phone to look at or, or to read yep. about, but real world use, it's a really solid option um, if you want that stock or new yep. stock you know, Nokia experience. And they normally do a raft of MWC announcements in February. And as we already said, there won't be an MWC in February, but they may still aim for that February timetable to announce the stuff. So um, keep an eye out, I guess, for the next month or two. That might be when we start to hear more. Mm. Um, but yeah, back to the Vivo. So I, I really like the look of, of the X60 series. This was a China announcement. It's the same as the last one. It's the same as the last one, and I love those phones. Um, I actually spoke just this morning to uh, Sion Huang, who's the, their VP in Europe, um, and I think I had with the first report that he he confirmed to me that the X60 series is definitely coming to Europe. Cool. Which I don't think is a surprise, but I don't think they'd really said that yet. And and he did tell tell me this morning that they X60s are definitely coming to Europe. I don't know when, but they are coming. Um, he also added that we will see some mid-range Vivo this year, which we haven't yet. We've only seen budget and uh, flagship from them basically in Europe. 
Um, Perhaps the more interesting bit, the other kind of interesting part of the X60 and flip side interesting, maybe disappointing for Europe is this also sees the launch of Origin OS, which is their new operating system, uh, RIP FunTouch. No. Um, we, we hardly knew ye. <laughs> the best uh, worst but... name ever for an OS. <laughs> FunTouch OS is no more. So... It has been replaced by Origin OS. That is what is shipping with the X60 series in China. They have rebuilt their OS from scratch, rebranded it, all of that. Um, what is interesting, though, is that is not coming to Europe. Hmm. Ah. Uh, and so I, I spoke about this, and basically, when they released their phones in Europe last year, they released them with near stock Android. Um, it's not quite pure, pure stock, but it's pretty close. It's, it's fairly stocky. Uh, and they basically said that's working for them. Yeah. That one of the benefits of that is that they've already managed to push Android 11 to every phone they have out in Europe. Wow. Um, which, to be fair, is four phones. So, you know, <laughs> it, it's easier than other like OEMs have it, perhaps. But even so, they've got Android 11 on all their phones already, um, which is good going. And they said kind of on the strength of that and on the strength of the good reviews they got from stock, uh, they're sticking with stock or close to stock for Europe with some little modifications. But Origin OS is not coming here. So if you are sort of a Vivo enthusiast and you'll be watching and you like the look of Origin OS, like actually, if you still want that, you're going to have to keep importing them from China, unfortunately. Have you looked, like, does Origin OS resemble Funtouch, just with a new name? Is it, like, Magic UI versus Emotion UI? Is it... They have given it some more substantial changes. It's not, yeah, it's not like Magic and, and Emotion, where the, the Huawei and Honor ones, where they're, they're mm. fundamentally the same thing. Um, it, it is a bigger revamp than that. I haven't dug in too deep. Part of what they also offered as an explanation for not bringing Origin over here is that Origin is very closely entwined with Jovi, which is their AI assistant, um, which they don't, I don't think they even put on the European phones. Um, and I think they, they, you know, in the interview, Sion uh, kind of acknowledged that people in Europe don't use those AI systems much the same way. If we do, we just use Siri or the Google one. You don't, people don't use the, the manufacturer's own, own assistants. And that was kind of part of the line was just origin is really baked into the Jovi and they're kind of intertwined. Uh, and so that's partly why they didn't want to bring it here. Which basically you can look at and blame all of this on Bixby because, right, it's just Samsung doing Bixby and everyone's saying, this is terrible. We don't want Bixby. <laughs> and now every other manufacturer is like, okay, we, we won't bring the AI assistant then. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got the message. No mm. AI. You guys don't like that. <laughs> um, I think it was the right move with the X50 range to to go more stock for Western markets. Like we've seen that, you know, that's I think how OnePlus really... Yep. landed itself the position that it has was being a predominant chinese manufacturer with a really clean user experience and that's why it saw success in the west yep. obviously there's other reasons but i think it was a big factor and as you know emotionally wise actually a good example it's mm. uh and oppo's um what's oppo's ui called color color color, color, OS. color OS. yeah yeah they've both you know you've both reviewed multiple oppo phones i know and you've probably seen that progression of how much more mm refined and simplified they've become since yeah. the brands first launched outside yep. of china yeah so yeah it speaks to the tastes of the western markets or not just markets outside of china that this is the right play and i'm not too cut up about not getting origin unless it's got some killer no. feature that i'm not aware of i actually think it makes a lot more sense and i think i respect the fact that vivo was willing to make the call right at the beginning to just yeah not really do a a, a butchered version of fun touch but really just scrap it almost entirely for europe 
and really just they've basically the opposite way rather than starting at their chinese os and try and work towards stock they basically just said cool have stock and then we're going to add features back in that people say they want and they're going to slowly add in bits of customizability and add in little bits of extra stuff but they're basically from the starting point of fine the european market that likes stock android so we'll give you that it's um, kind of what we've seen with like Motorola's and Nokia's take, where they have yeah. got a few custom mm-hmm. features, but barely. Exactly. I was about to ask, like, yeah, is there another manufacturer that's is reminiscent of where they've really catered to these different markets in such a way that, like, it's quite mm. an interesting approach. I like it. Well, I mean, Toddy always already gave the example of OnePlus, but they do have parallel OSs. It's Oxygen OS in the West and Hydrogen OS that's in true. China. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, and it's easy to forget that for us in the West where we always use Oxygen. But yeah, there's a whole different OS that they have in China. There's similarities. There's some underlying stuff that's the same. They came from the same starting point. But if you go bought, bought buy a OnePlus phone in China, it will have different software on it mm-hmm. that is catered to, to that market rather than this one. Mm. Good move. Yeah, so I'm a fan. So the yeah, Vivo X60, we know it will be coming to the West, which I think is a good thing. I only hope they can bring the pricing down. The X51 was 700 and something pounds, 750 pounds, I think, which One just felt very steep. Was, yeah, it was a little bit too high. Yeah, for what it is, what it, it, it was a lot. Uh, so if the X60 can kind of deliver the same thing, but closer to 600 pounds, uh, deliver the clean OS experience, uh, I think they'll be in a good shape. They're talking about, like I said, they, they confirmed to me they're going to bring a mid-range line into the market. Um, one thing I can also say, they, they are not bringing their IKU or Next lines to oh. Europe anytime yeah, soon. Um, they said eventually. Friends. But basically, the, the, their view was like the core Vivo brand is the thing they want to push. They want to push Vivo, get Vivo out, get brand awareness of Vivo. And then IKU, you know, is a little bit more niche. It's not a gamer brand, but it starts to lean into that space. Um, and then next is the like super top tier thousand plus pound flagship space, and I think they <laughs> rightly recognise no one will pay that for a Vivo phone in Europe. Yeah, not yeah, yet. Mid 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 range is the market that makes the most sense. I think we've sort of like seen that it's the market that's like getting growth now. And I actually mm. over Christmas I had um had a friend go to me and be like, Hannah, I just want a phone that like, you know, I don't want to pay all this stuff. And like, you know, I just want a phone that's got a reasonably good camera and all this. And I'm like, well, there's lots in the mid range space that can help you out. So yeah, like it's, um, it's the market to be in. Really. Yeah. Well, it, even for them, they're actually, they're saying their focus is lower. They, um, they told me today that the European market averages around 60% of units sold are under 300 euros which lines up to what I've sort of seen elsewhere. But I think it's easy to forget that. We, we cover all the flagships all the time, but like two-thirds of phones sold are what we call a budget device. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So even mid-range is, is... Mid-range and flagship share a third of the market, you know? Well, you know, Vivo, global smartphone market share, Vivo's been one of the top players, oh, they're top enormous. five, like, for years, yeah, pretty much. Because uh, they're huge in China, and then they're also now very dominant in um sort of the like asia pacific kind of going like the philippines and and mm. countries like that viva's a massive player there um and now they've moved into the middle east and, and and africa and stuff like that so this is this is them moving out and they said us is on the table they're just you know not yet but they're That's talking about us aside from oneplus there's i mean i guess motorola is sort of chinese brand but there aren't really many chinese mobile players in the u.s market yeah um so. yeah they they were saying to me today that it's kind of 
they see the Europe as almost a step towards learning how to handle the US because the difference they're coming from is an Asian market where people buy phones outright most of the time. Mm. A European market where it's kind of 50-50 between buying phones outright or buying phones from a network. And then a US market where it's almost all network. It's terrifying how much control the US carriers have. Yeah. So it's kind of like if they can figure out how to get around the networks and the carriers in Europe, maybe then they're in a position to go and figure out how to handle it in the US where if you're not on a carrier... You're not selling phones. Uh, And that's kind of it. Uh, But anyway, that will do us for today. Uh, So three big Chinese phones, all with interesting firsts to market. And I'm really looking forward to both the Xiaomi and the the Vivo coming out over here so we can get our hands on them. Uh, We will be back next week. I'm not entirely sure what we're going to talk about next week. Definitely Samsung. uh, Because in theory, this time next week, we should know about the S21 range. But at the same time, CES is ongoing, and there's only been kind of TVs mostly so far. But by this time next week, there'll be all sorts of more that we can talk about. So we might have a bumper special next week. We might be doing live coverage of the Samsung event, which starts an hour before the usual fast charge time. We're trying to figure out our schedules and whether we can do that and also, you know, write about the Samsung stuff that we have to do. (laughs) But either way, next week is going to be busy. We will be here. We will be covering Samsung and probably some other stuff. Honor might have launched the V40 by then. They keep there. The rumor is the V40s next week too, so it could be a very busy week indeed. And we will be here for it. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been watching on live and jumping in in the comments. And hopefully see you soon. Cool. Bye. Bye. Bye.